1: hi everybody and welcome or welcome back to who did what now the history podcast that's not your history class with me your host katie charlwood history harlot and reader of books Before I get into anything else, that was very enthusiastic, but yes, before I get into anything else, I want to thank everybody who's been rating and reviewing five stars on like Spotify and Apple Podcasts and y'all, y'all are just so amazing. Really, you're just fantastic. You know, when you write in review, when you actually write something in the review, it doesn't really matter what it was. You can tell me your favourite period in history. You can compliment my accent, which happens quite a lot and is making me feel very good about it after being mocked incessantly for most of my life. But thank you. <laughs> you're, you're making it worth it now. When you write a review, it really bumps it up like the iTunes, iTunes, Apple Podcasts algorithm. It really moves you up there and it, it really helps me on a business end. Because I'm actually starting to get noticed by like, how do I put this, by networks and sponsors and other things. There there may be a few things happening and it's, it's very, very exciting. Also, if you are listening to this on Tuesday, on day of release, then you get to hear more of me from Thursday. So I am actually the guest historian on Louisa Omelan's radio show. Gaslit, Groomed and Ghosted. So on Thursday, the 19th of May, you can hear me on Radio 4 at 11pm GMT. So you can listen to it live, which would be very exciting. You can, you can tweet and say nice things about me, which would be even better. Uh, <laughs> tell the BBC I'm awesome. <laughs> more Katie. More Katie on the BBC that would be amazing. So it'd be great if you can tune in. It's going to be, it's going to be available to uh, stream and download as a podcast, I think, after that. But if you want to listen then and there and put the listenership up, it would be very cool, especially for me. And if anyone asks, you can be like, she's so cool. And tell them I sent you there. So, like, I'm actually going to stay up to listen to myself. I don't know what I sound like yet, so I'm a wee bit nervous about this, to be honest. And I haven't actually heard any of how this goes. So it's going to be really exciting to see how this this turns out. My very first, like, guest thing on the BBC, which is so exciting. And I've been, like, holding this in for a while because I didn't want to... I don't know. I didn't want to be very out there with it. Because, like, it's the first thing I've done. So if I am awful, then we can put it down to it being the first thing I've done. So it's been really nice to be acknowledged and to... And to then annoy all my cousins at the next family gathering with... (laughs) I've been on the BBC, you know. (laughs) I'm sorry, but it's just madness to me that I'm actually going to be on the BBC. Like in a professional capacity, not like on the news for doing something really fucking stupid, which, you know, I could do. That's the thing about smart people. We're fucking idiots sometimes. Quite a lot. So it'd be great if you tuned in and listened to me and and tweeted nice things at the BBC, BBC Radio 4. Yay! (laughs) It's actually pretty funny because it's on at 11pm. That's like past my bedtime. I'm usually in bed earlier than that. So I'm actually going to stay up late to listen to myself, which is so... That sounds really self-involved, but it's like my first thing and my mum's really excited. So eh, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Now I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, quit your jibber jabber. In fact me, in fact you, I will. But first got to get our source on. Our sources are... The Secret Token... Myth, Obsession and the Search for the Lost Colony of Roanoke by Andrew Lawler. The Lost Colony of Roanoke, New Perspectives by Brandon Fulham. Roanoke, the Abandoned Colony by Karen Ordal-Copperman. Roanoke Island, the Beginnings of English America by David Stick. And of course we have our favourites, smithsonian.com and history.com. Are you sitting comfortably? Good, then let's begin. The Lost Colony of Roanoke, one of history's greatest mysteries. A mystery history, if you will, where an entire British colony just vanished into thin air. And for years, decades, centuries even, people were left scratching their heads, questioning, confused, bamboozled, filled with theories and conspiracies never knowing what could possibly have happened to the lost colony of Roanoke. Except all the information is actually there, and in a shocking turn of events, it's not actually that mysterious at all. Oh, fuck no. So let's get into this, shall we? It all started in 1578, when Queen Elizabeth I grants this charter to Sir Humphrey Gilbert, so that he can explore and colonise territories in the name of Queen Elizabeth. Basically, Gilbert was in Bess's good graces, because he had helped to crush the first of the Desmond Rebellions in Ireland. And so she was like, you're a good fella, I'm going to give you a charter. Off you go, go explore and spread my power. Yes, 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 yes. That being said, the charter is actually, like, quite fucking vague. And I think that's deliberate, but like Humphrey, Humphrey Gilbert, Humphrey, it's such an English name. It's probably the most English name ever. Humphrey. Humphrey was like, cool, I'ma go search the new world. That's my thing. Basically, above Spanish Florida was good because, you know, if it had already been claimed by like another Christian, that was a no-go area. That was a (sighs) no-touchy. I mean, it's very Eurocentric, but it's the 1500s. What do we expect? So, but unfortunately, eh, or fortunately, him's to say, Humphrey Humphrey passes away. Ah, uh, he dies, and the charter gets split between his brother Adam, Adam Gilbert, and his half brother Sir Walter Raleigh, who, as we know, is the Queen's absolute fave. So, Adrian's got one half. Walter's got the other. Super awesome. So what this charter says is that if Raleigh doesn't colonise somewhere by 1591, he loses all rights to colonisation. So, And this was 1584. So it's like, you've got seven years to do the thing, and if you don't do the thing, fuck you. I've, is seven years fair for establishing a colony? I don't know. Especially when transatlantic is not exactly an easy journey. But yeah, he was to quote-unquote discover, search, find out, and view such remote, heathen, and barbarous lands, countries, and territories, to have, hold, occupy, and enjoy. So, like, one of the things they wanted him to do was, like, set up a colony, use it as a base, and then maybe set up a bunch of privateers and get them to go steal shit from Spanish colonies and the things that are bringing them their stuff, you know. Mm. But because Raleigh was the Queen's, again, absolute fave, He couldn't actually go and do the colonising himself. He wasn't allowed to go out and venture forth. He had to stay by the Queen's side. That was his duty. Oh no, I have to stay here and be relatively safe. How terrible. Oh... Oh no, you had to stay there and be terribly safe while still receiving all the power, wealth and accolades that go with serving your queen. Super fun, super fun for you. Love this journey for you. Mm -hmm. So basically, he does what any good manager does. He delegates. He sends people out to go venture forth and find somewhere fun to go. So in 1584, he sends forth an expedition and they discover... Roanoke Island, and they're like, this is sweet. The Croatan who are nearby, the tribe, they're pretty cool. They go, this is fantastic. This is a great location, close to local amenities, and a great school catchment, you know what I mean? Anyway, they're like, this is fucking awesome. This is where we need to be. So they're like, okay, we're going to head back to England, but but they don't want to go empty-handed. So they bring two native people with them who have already, like, encountered... Like European explorers before, they're, they're not they're not new to the game. So they decided to bring back with them two new buddies they made on the way. One from the Sekitan tribe and one from the Croatan tribe. So they come back and they're like, yeah, the land is great. We're awesome. We're so bountiful. We're effectively the Garden of Eden. Yada, yada, yada. I feel like they were coached into this a wee bit. So Queen Bess, she is well impressed by this. And she's like, fantastic. Raleigh, he gets a knighthood. She basically knights him, the knight lord and governor of Virginia. So he gets the colony of Virginia. In 1585, a fleet of seven ships sails from Plymouth. Basically, a bunch of shit goes wrong. One of the ships gets separated. They have to rebuild in another ship. One of them lands too early. They get attacked by Spain. The fleet ends up attacking two Spanish ships and adds them to the fleet as well. So... It swings and roundabouts, innit? So they have this ship called the Tiger. So it's, it's sailing through this wee inlet, right? The Tiger hits a shoal, and the Tiger gets fucking wrecked. It's all damaged, the majority of their food is destroyed. I feel like putting the majority of the food in one ship was really a bad idea. Because they lost so much food and other fucking supplies, the amount of colonists that they originally planned to settle there, they, they didn't have enough food and stuff for them, it just wasn't an option. Instead of leaving the so many hundred that they were going to leave, only a hundred are actually going to stay on Roanoke. So they're supposed to get supplies and stuff sent to them and OG fleet, it fucks back off to England with like, we're going to send you stuff. All right. I promise. Mm -hmm. So effectively things do not go well. Uh, They run out of food. They run out of provisions. They end up relying on all these tribes for help a little bit too much. And because of their, you know, superiority complex, they end up, like, fighting with them, which, probably not a good idea when they're, like, your only hope for survival. So, basically, they're starving, they've lost their allies, and they're fucked. Oh, and I almost forgot, uh, disease, lots of disease. The English colonists, they brought fucking disease. You know, the description of the illness. It's been whittled down to, like, either flu, influenza, or smallpox, so one of those two things. So they're starving, they're struggling, and they're just done at this point. And luckily enough, Sir Francis Drake shows up. He's on his way back to England, and he pops by. He's like, hey, ah, oh shit, things are bad here. So he leaves them some supplies. So he leaves them like four months of supplies and a ship. And in a case of things get bad to fucking worse, a storm comes and (laughs) sweeps the ship out to sea. And they're shipless again. And because of this unfortunate series of events, the colony, they decide to just evacuate. They want to get the hell out of Dodge. So here's the thing as well. It wasn't just colonists that were there at this point. There were slaves and refugees. But there is no documentation about what happened to them. But there's no documentation that suggests that they actually ended up in England. The colonists, yes. Drake brought them back. He's like, fine. So that means that these people were just abandoned in this colony, maybe or maybe not with the four months of provisions that were previously promised to the Lane colony, which is incredibly dark, but not at all unsurprising. So Drake, he's evacuating this colony, right? A couple days later, one single solitary supply ship lands on Roanoke, sent by Raleigh. The crew come ashore, they have a wee look around, they can't find any colonists, so they just leave. Two weeks later is when, when the relief fleet finally arrives, with a full year's worth of supplies and a reinforcement of 400 men. So they have a look around, um, but they're actually smart enough to chat to some native people there. They explain that, you know, the colony just fucked off, they left. So in order to ensure that Walter Raleigh still had a claim on the island, basically 15... To 20 men were left behind. So they left 15 men to just go, you know, keep the claim on the island. To have an English presence. Unfortunately, those 15 men were then attacked by mainland native tribes. With wooden swords and flaming arrows. Two of them get killed straight away. The 13 surviving men get on a boat to start rowing away. So they get on their boat and they flee towards a Spanish colony. And they're never seen again. So, eh. So the original colony, the Lane Colony, it was just men. And even though the Lane Colony had fucking deserted Roanoke, Raleigh was conveniently persuaded by investors to go colonise again. Sure, why not? So yeah, because it was deserted and they were like, okay, well, we didn't really get on very well with the second time last time we were there. Maybe not a good idea to go back. So the investors want to go to like Chesapeake Bay and... You know, a wee bit further afield, they're thinking it might be easier because they want to, like, explore further into what they called Virginia Territory. 1587, Raleigh approves a corporate charter. The city of Raleigh, ha 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 ha. Somebody's having a good time. So the next expedition goes out, and it's very different to the first one. So the first one, it had, like, an organised military force. You know, it had that. This time, the colony consisted of 115 people, give or take, including women and children, because it was just men before. And this includes the pregnant Eleanor Dare. So like these colonists, they are mainly like middle class Londoners. So they're hoping if they go out there, they can get wee bit of prestige, wee bit of land, they can become part of the gentry, landed gentry, and basically raise their status somewhat. Or maybe they just wanted to be out of fucking London. Or maybe they just wanted a peaceful, more cottage core life.
2: I'm Jane Perlez, longtime foreign correspondent and former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. I've been a foreign correspondent in lots of places, Somalia, Indonesia, Pakistan, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I mean, China is not dropping anti-democratic paratroopers into Montana. We'll look at what's driving the two nations apart and explore whether anything can help bring them back together. Face off launches April 9th.
1: Anyhow, so unlike, you know, the seven-ship fleet that went before, this is just three. So they anchor at Croatoan Island in July 1587. So initially they were supposed to go up to Chesapeake Bay, but for whatever reason they were all told to just... The sailors were told to, like, just dump the colonists off at Roanoke. They've got to go there. So the colonists land, and they discover, like, the old forts and the buildings, which are mainly sort of fallen down or dismantled. They've got melons growing out of them and shit. So they have to start rebuilding. So the colonists, they're trying to work out this truce with the Croatan tribe, because there's, like, a, a coalition going on with other tribes on the mainland, because they are and rightfully so, suspicious of, you know, these people coming in and setting up on their land. Luckily, they have this native person, Manteo, who is consistently being the, the translator, the negotiator, and really making sure the shit does not hit the fan. And because the colony is, like, super impressed with how awesome he's doing with, you know, keeping them alive, they reward him by baptising him. I'm uh, Cool. Cool. That's not, that's not weird. At all, no, so on August eighteenth Eleanor dare gives birth to her daughter, whom she calls Virginia, because, and I shit you not, she was the first Christian child born in Virginia, so people have always named their kids off of places it's not it's not new, but Virginia wasn't the only child born in Roanoke. there was um Marjorie Harvey she gave birth like a few weeks later. Although, like, I couldn't find any information about this child, just that a child was born. So, yeah, they're in Roanoke. They're they're rebuilding their cottages. They're rebuilding the stuff. They have yet again fucked up their food supply. They're trying to build and or repair alliances with the indigenous people of the land, you know. But they're smart enough to know that shit is not going well. So they think, fuck, what are we going to do? Governor White, the governor of Roanoke... He's, like, aptly named. But also, he is is very aware that they're going to need more provisions and more stuff and more people, everything. They're basically going to need a bit more of everything. And he knows that he is the one who has to go and personally petition Raleigh for these really badly needed supplies. So getting to England and petitioning rally is actually the easy part of this. It's the way back that's a bit more complicated. So he finally gets the green light and... and... Out of the frying pan and into the fire comes to mind with John White because on his first go, the ship he's on was captured by French pirates and he is quite badly wounded. And when he's actually well enough and fit enough to travel again, there's a royal order to stop all shipping and sailing because of the threat of the Spanish Armada. Eventually, in 1590, all three years later, Walter Raleigh manages to book passage for John White on this <clears throat> privateering expedition with a fleet of six ships. It's basically, they traverse the Atlantic. Four of the ships, they're going to go off and sail through the Caribbean and raid Spanish outposts. That's what they're going to do. And two of the other ships are going to head towards Roanoke and have a wee nosey. And just when it was within his grasp, August landing near Roanoke. Not quite there, but nearby. And they spend, like, two days trying to get into the island. Trying to get over to the island. But the water was choppy as fuck. They, basically, they lose a captain and a bunch of sailors. Like, uh, they drown. And these are people who are professionals. Could the sailors swim? I feel like, as a sailor, if you're going to be a sailor, they should at least test your swimming abilities, because it just feels like a basic requirement of the job. Experienced sailors shouldn't end up in the water. That's not the point. Anyway. So after like five days, they spot a fire on one side of the island and they row towards it. By the time it's night, the fire's gone. They can't see shit. And they're like, maybe not going to disembark onto the island, which may or may not have enemies waiting to attack. Best not, probably. So they anchor their ships basically just off the shore. And they start singing English songs in the hopes that the colonists will hear them and be like Ah, England! So the next morning they decide, fuck it, we're going ashore. So they land on the beach and they see tracks in the sand. But they don't see anybody. No indigenous people, no colonists, no nothing. They discover a fort, a new fort that's been built. And as they're walking along towards the colony, They find C-R-O carved into a tree. They continue on until they reach the side of the colony. And one of the first things they noticed, there's a big fucking fence. It's basically, um, I think a palisade, what is it called? Palisade? Palisade? I've only ever seen it written down, I've never actually said it aloud. It's like this wall made out of these stakes. Big stakes. So like it's a big stake fence all around the colony. And carved onto one of the posts is the word Croatoan. So they go inside. So the search party does what it does, which is, you know, searching. And they have a look around the colony. And as they're having a wee look around, they notice that the buildings, the houses, they've been dismantled, not knocked down, not burned, not trashed, taken apart carefully. They also discover that a bunch of their trunks, which were including... John White's own, so like, he was like, that's my fucking shit right there. They've been dug up because they'd buried the goods. So they were dug up and they were looted. A bunch of shit was missing. And on further inspection, they realised that there were no fucking boats. None of the colonists' boats were there. They were all gone. So the search party, they returned to the ship, fully planning to get their super sleuth on and go investigate the next day. But then the anchor cable for one of the ships breaks. And because they can't anchor safely, there's no way they're going to get over there to to search. It's just not safe because, you know, they really don't want to have a shipwreck. It's not really a fun thing to have in the area. So the captain and the crew, they try and make this deal with John White. They're like, listen, we'll stay in the Caribbean, you know, during the winter. And we'll come back up in the spring and we'll have another look. We'll see what we can do. Uh, yeah, that doesn't happen. And the ship just fucks off back to England. Yes. John White forced to sail again to England, never truly knowing what happened to his family and the lost colony of Roanoke, who disappeared without a trace. It's actually pretty funny, because normally when people refer to the, the lost colony of Roanoke, it's always the same kind of tale. It's like... But the way it's usually described, I don't know if you've noticed, is that Governor John White returns and things are just left as they were, like... There are pots and spoons and everything just kind of lying around as if people just up and left one day without touching anything. Like they just vanished. Like they were abducted by aliens. (gasps) Was it aliens? Were they murdered by a savage tribe? Did they attempt to sail away and were captured by Spaniards? (gasps) No. Nothing so dramatic, I'm afraid. So Governor White, he had, like, what, barely a day at the colony, having a wee nosy. So he didn't really get a good opportunity to investigate. You know what else he didn't really get a chance to do? Go fucking talk to the indigenous people of the area. He never actually spoke to the Croatan people. He never actually got onto Croatoan. Doesn't anchor, doesn't search there, doesn't go speak to their people, doesn't go have a fucking look around there. The very place that they signposted on a post and a fucking tree. Like, not only do they carve a wee bit of shorthand into a tree on the way to the colony, they also carve it onto a fucking post on the colony wall, effectively. They literally tell you exactly where they are. Not only that, the colonists' trunks were dug up and everything, anything that could have been carried was taken with them. Random Indigenous people are not going to go looking for buried trunks. So clearly it was the colonists who dug them up themselves. So of course, they're facing harsh winters. They are struggling. There are families. There's no fucking militia there. And that's the thing. Which, let's face it, was the main fucking problem beforehand. So like every other colony or every or any other group that they had on the fucking island, they were constantly going out and either raiding, raiding, attacking the natives, or just burning their shit to the ground. Also in addition furthermore the thing that is very rarely mentioned is the fact that they had all agreed that they were going to go like 30 to 50 miles north of Roanoke because they thought it was going to be safer or at least more fertile and bountiful for them. So the fact that shit had been dismantled and that anything worth taking had been taken and there were absolutely no graves hmm, or you know Bones of colonists left behind. Clearly there was not any sort of mass massacre going on. You know what I mean? But see, history has a habit of being whitewashed. So what actually happened? Well, the winter got really fucking harsh. And the colonists said, fuck this for a game of soldiers. And fucking left. That's what they did. They left. Where did they go? To the Croatan tribe. That's where they went. And they integrated. After that, who knows... And maybe you're thinking, okay, Katie, that's a bit of a stretch. What makes you think that they integrated with a native tribe? What makes you think they weren't just, I don't know, killed and looted? Well, one, because it's not a game of Assassin's Creed. All I'm saying is that it is incredibly convenient that certain tribes that were um, migratory, uh, they're migratory, so they would move, you know, when they needed to move. If they needed to move inland where it was warmer, they would listen to nature They would follow where the food went, where it was warmer, where it was drier, where it was safer. They knew the land, because it's their land. And the Croatan and the Sekitan, they were relatively peaceful tribes, you know, when they weren't being fucked with, or fucked over. So basically, they take these colonists in, you know, they integrate, they intermarry, you know, so on and so forth. And for, like, years after the, you know, the whole missing colony thing... There are consistent reports of these tribes with blonde-haired, blue-eyed children using silver cups. So the mystery of the lost colony of Roanoke is that no one was actually lost. They just left because they were sick of waiting and, you know, they weren't really keen on the whole dying of starvation thing. They basically left, integrated with tribes, and then migrated. Basically settling around North Carolina, areas like that, where we found... Like, we've found their shit. So apart from the fact we've actually found, you know, physical stuff of theirs, like pottery, glass shards, things like that, Tudor era things, Tudor tools and crockery and glassware, fucking olive jars and shit. Apart from that, we actually have records of other explorers and adventurers describing some Native American tribes as having blonde-haired, blue-eyed children, a fact that they found so amazing they had to write it down and had to share it. Not only that, but they were sort of amazed that these tribes were using Tudor cups and plates and crockery and, you know, they were just, wow! I wonder how they got them and knew how to use them. Oh. Basically, they moved to Hatteras Island, settled there, And basically integrated, intermarried, reproduced and continued for generations until, I don't know, they were slaughtered by their own descendants or, you know, very, very distant relatives, basically. (laughs) Yikes. So what did we learn today? We learned that sometimes the simplest solution is the correct one. And that maybe if you just look to the left a little bit, you would have found what you needed to find, you know. Are we going to ask this tribe what happened? Nah, nah, they're not going to tell us anything. Right, okay, okay. What about these people over here? What if we actually just go look at that island that's just that's just up there? You know, because they said they might, they might move. Are we going to go look? Are we going to go look there? Nah, 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 we're not going to look there. There's no point. They definitely haven't moved there. There's no way they'd move there. Okay, okay, boss, okay. So anyway... <laughs> That is the story of the Lost Colony of Roman Oak. Thank you for listening. If you liked today's story, feel free to rate and review five stars. And if you really liked it, you can always follow me on the social medias. I am on Facebook, TikTok, Twitter and Instagram. Took me well, but I remembered it in the end. That's the one. And it is, of course, recommendation time. Listening. Um, I don't know if you saw the Eurovision and you heard Moldova's absolute fucking bop, but you should definitely go listen to Moldova's absolute fucking bop. It is pure unadulterated chaos and I want to dance to it at my wedding. That is just perfection. Uh, Not that I'm getting married, but the point is, if I was, I'd want it playing. For reading... I'm going to recommend The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo by Taylor Jenkins Reid. Go read that. I've just started it and I've heard many good things about it, so you should go read that. Also, for watching, for watching, go watch The Lost City. It's just fun. Just go watch it. Enjoy it. Remove yourself from reality for, I don't know, an hour and 20 minutes. Daniel Radcliffe just being a weirdo. That's what films are about. And don't forget, you can catch me as the guest historian on Gaslit, Grimmed and Ghosted with Louisa Omelan. Radio 4, 11pm GMT, Thursday the 19th of May. See you there. And with that, I shall bid you adieu. Adios. Au revoir. Au revoir, my friends. A uh, Bye-bye.
2: As a long-time foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places